0: Hey everyone, it's George from Blockchain TXB, and today we have Brittany, who's the head of business development for Harpy. And listen, guys, if you're someone who's recently gotten into the world of cryptocurrency, I'm pretty much sure you're aware of the different scams, hacks, and theft in the cryptocurrency space. And if you are an OG, I'm pretty much sure you know how to protect your assets. And guys, Harpy is definitely trying to build something in order to protect your assets. Now, in this particular episode, britney shared the experience of getting into the cryptocurrency space and she also discussed how she was part of eve denver but what i really liked in this episode guys is britney clearly explained what is harpy and what is it that they are trying to build she went ahead and explained some technical details about the on-chain firewall that they're building and they're doing that for enterprise level customers as well so definitely definitely check it out we also discussed the future of central bank digital currencies and can Harvey offer similar solutions? And guys, listen, if you are someone who is an OG in the big corner of cryptocurrency space, I think you would definitely agree that you are most vulnerable to attacks as well. And Brittany did share some crucial piece of information where she went ahead and explained some of the chief technology officers who are prime targets. And also, guys, if you look at the number of airdrops taken in, they are susceptible to a lot of scams and hacks and happy guys few days ago while the discord channel they did offer a similar solution and this was to do with the airdrop recently that happened in arbitrum so we went ahead and discussed that in today's episode as well and guys what i tend to do is you know for every of my interviewees i tend to ask them what kind of advice do they have for fellow business partners but what Brittany said is something completely unique and i definitely do appreciate what she said now we also discussed the future of cryptographies and metaverse on the larger time horizon so let me know what your thoughts on that are and guys towards the end you also discuss what she does for work-life balance You also discuss the passion for music now guys what i really liked about this interview and what harpy is doing is they're trying to build things that are going to protect you from hacks scams and thefts so definitely check it out and if you do want to get in touch with harpy all of that contact details are in the show notes below the website is in the show notes below the discord channel is in the show notes below the twitter id is in the show notes below as well but if you do have any feedback or suggestions mention them in the comments below or drop me an email to info at blockchaindxp.com or info at area 2071.com so check this out and let me know what your thoughts are firstly brittany thank you so very much for taking your time and really appreciate you talking to me and sharing your knowledge and information about yourself and harpy now, before we start, just wanted to check, how has your day been so far? And in particular, what's the first quarter of 2023 been like in the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency?
1: Hi. Thank you for having me. Day's been great so far. The first quarter of cryptocurrency, that's, you know, we could have an entire podcast just on um, all the events that we've seen there. Um, so, you know, it's part of growth and development and shows us how close and how far we are from mainstream onboarding.
0: Absolutely, 100%. And hopefully, I mean, I'm not sure how we're going to take this, the recent banking collapse. I know we should not be celebrating it, but it definitely gives some signs of, you know, ballistic indication, particularly for the price of 8 and cryptocurrency. So once again, you know, uh, thank you so much for doing this session. Really, really appreciate it. Can you tell our listeners, a bit about yourself and how you got involved in the cryptocurrency and NFT space because I looked at your LinkedIn profile and what I really liked about your profile it says that you know you're in the verge of protecting NFTs and cryptocurrencies preventing hacks scams and thefts. I think it's a pretty cool profile and I'm pretty much sure our listeners would like to know more about your experience and journey into the cryptocurrency space.
1: Yeah. And thank you for having me again. Um, so a, a little bit about my background. I, I've always been adjacent to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, I guess, really since the early days. Um, but I was never involved. I had friends that were involved and I maintained my, you know, New York healthy skepticism, also very early 20s millennial without much disposable income. Um, but I always kept an eye on it. And um at, at a point where it started to seem like, you know, the inflection point was coming, I did start exploring a little bit more and attended some in-person events, which led me to ETH Global Hackathons, uh, which was a really great way, I think, for, for me to get into crypto because I wasn't on the DeFi side. Um, that wasn't what brought me in. It wasn't the value of the cryptocurrencies. What I got to understand was that the value of the cryptocurrencies, you know, aside from Bitcoin being a store of value, um, were largely based on um, what was being built on blockchain and blockchain technology specifically. So if you said you looked at my LinkedIn, um, you know, I come from consumer tech and like smart home um, and spaces like that. And once I started to see the utility available with things like NFTs, uh, I was pretty certain that at some point uh, it would infiltrate you know, the industry that I was currently in. So I I started to learn a little bit more. um, And once I'd been to a couple events and conferences, uh, I stumbled into a wonderful role with the company that I'm with right now, um, which was a winning project from ETH Denver. um, Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up in the security space. So I got to use my background um, building on blockchain and then also with just consumer technology um, and API partnerships and, you know, leverage those skills um, in a new space for security, which, you know, as you know, is, is so, so heavily needed um, and really our least favorite thing to talk about, unless there's a current new sexy scam or something like that, that makes everything really interesting.
0: Absolutely. And just a few days ago, I'm in Dubai right now and I was reading the newspaper, but there actually was an article which mentioned about two guys who were physically threatened to give their Bitcoin keys. They lost quite a lot of bitcoins, and this happens quite a lot, particularly, you know, for people who are not aware about the security features. And it's great to know that Harpy is building some of them. So can you tell our listeners what is Harpy and what is it that you're trying to build? And essentially, what problem are you guys trying to solve?
1: So at Harpy, we have a suite of security solutions. Um, We build tools to um, mitigate the problems that we see out in the industry. So the first solution that we built was a firewall, which allowed you to build a trusted network for your wallet, um, which meant that if any sort of assets were leaving your wallet to somewhere you deemed not okay. So if you had been physically accosted and somebody says, you know, sign this transaction and you sign that transaction. If the wallet that it's going to is not actually the wallet, any of the wallets that you specified, um, it would get siloed into a vault. Um, so that was our first uh tool that we went to market with. Um now we've got quite a full suite. Uh we built two-factor authorization for wallets. Um, so you can use an RPC layer to actually um have two-factor authorization for your wallet, um, just like you see on your banking transactions or credit card transactions today. Um and at the enterprise level, um, in order to build all these tools, we had to um, you know, come up with some pretty pretty unique um uh heuristics basically to analyze transactions. Um and so we have an API available for things like um hardware wallets or any sort of platform that has transactions going through it to help them monitor whether that's a malicious transaction or not.
0: And we'll definitely go into the details of it because I was looking at your website and, you know, I think what you guys are doing is something which will definitely help the institutional investors. And you do have a solution, you know, category, uh, specifically mentioned with them as well. But what I wanted to find out is, you know, how important is having security such as the firewall that you're building, particularly for non-crypto guys? How crucial and important is that?
1: Oh, I mean, absolutely critical. Um, and to iterate too, it's, it's just, it should be a part of a security stack. Um, you know, the, the layer that we fill, especially with that vault. Um, so if you have high asset holders or people that are new to crypto is these are preventative measures and you have to set them all up ahead of time, um, in order to be able to use them. And that's what allows you to stay protected.
0: So this whole idea about hobby. Was it built around during the whole Eight Denver moment or was it an idea which was prior to that?
1: Um, so it had its iterations prior to that, um, as a tool. Um, uh, so the founder Dan Chong and his brother Noah, um, had built a tool. Um, but they reimagined how it would work, um, and then created a new project around it, renamed it, um, and submitted it at Eat Denver as its form that you see today, um out in the market. Uh well, you know, we've we've iterated since then too. But um, that was the first layer of it.
0: Ian Harpy right now is backed by some rural heavy duty giants as well. Such as you know Coinbase, Sea. So now you being been uh, taking care of the business development aspect of it, can you tell our listeners how did these companies or these giants get involved with Harpy?
1: So we, yeah, we're, we're really glad to be backed by wonderful players like OpenSea and Coinbase. Um, also Dragonfly, Wasari, OrangeDAO. Um, and those are all, um, venture capitalists and investment firms that, um, were found by our founder, Dan. Um, so we were very, very careful with who we brought on, um, in our investment team because it was really important that we had partners that, um, really understood and believed in what we were doing. Um, but also we were able to work and collaborate with, um, so some of our tools, you know, like we have a solution for like the monkey drainer attacks, um, on OpenSea. Um, also in building our, our API for our heuristics engine, we were able to work directly with OpenSea's engineers, um, mm-hmm. specifically those that build Seaport and be able to leverage that skill set in the API that we were unleashing and allowing, um, them to be, be able to leverage. I um, mean, that's the really cool thing. You we were talking about preventative measures that you could take. Um, Harpy is a a layer for the user and for the enterprise, but also a layer for security companies. Um, so tools like Revoke Cash, they monitor for malicious transactions in part of their suite for what they offer to customers. We actually provide access to that information to them. Um, so we are um, really the Guinness wonderful place in security where we don't, actually compete with the majority of security tools. Um, We provide other layers, right? So you have your two-factor off, um, just like your banks and your credit cards. You have your, uh uh-oh, I'm actually being stolen from, all my other layers are compromised um, vaults. So if it's actually leaving your wallet, we can front run it. Um, But the reality is, there's a lot of other great security layers in between. Um, So we get to support the consumers, we get to support from the enterprise level, Um, And then we actually also get to support other security companies too. That's absolutely great. And you know, I was going through your website
0: and there's this section it says about enterprise. And there is Eagle RPC. And you also have the white paper. And one thing which stood out for me is, you know, you classified something as dangerous transactions. So can you elaborate and tell our listeners what do you mean by dangerous transactions?
1: So dangerous transactions, um, we also call them malicious transactions. Um, that's what we alert people to. Those are transactions with contract addresses that are known to be scams, um, known to have activity like draining attached to them, um, and just generally malicious or dangerous activity. Um, so at Harpy, we build tools that allow you to see, um, how dangerous an activity is likely to be based on who you're interacting with.
0: Absolutely. And early in the year, there was also this, uh, news circulating around zero-value transactions, you know, people who are fooling victims and sending crypto into their fraudulent wallets. So did you have any experience dealing with any customers who had that experience with zero-value transactions as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, We we have a solution that we built specifically for that. Um, Our initial front-running solution wasn't able to um, be a solution for that kind of attack specifically. Um, back this fall, we were able to develop a tool based on the specific nuances of that attack. Um, that's one of the really cool things about a Harpy team is that, you know, we have been able to build like a whole suite of tools based on what the market actually needs at the given moment.
0: That is absolutely correct. And I was just going to your Twitter profile and you guys tweeted about, you know, a few days ago, Arbitrum had an airdrop and the airdrop was essentially attacked by North Korea. And what hobby did you guys had a discord community and i think you mentioned that the discord community were helping people solve for help providing solutions as well right
1: yeah um it was a really creative like on the fly solution um like i said our our founding team our development team um, they're extremely skilled and uh, their ability to to come up with Um, end user tooling that provides like in the moment solutions for our customers. It's, it's really, really profound. Um, so whether it's something like a, you know, a draining activity with a zero value transaction or something going wrong with an airdrop, um, we really do try and create the most innovation, innovative solutions we can, um, so that when you're part of the heartbeat community and you're using our, our tools, um, that you have access to these things that we do, um, unleash as the market might need. And, and I'm not
0: sure, you know, regarding Discord, do you offer, like, uh, Ask Me Anything sessions uh, via Discord as well? The reason being, in Dubai, if you're using Discord or in Middle East, you can't get access to voice quality. So, you know, voice is completely banned. So, I'm not sure if you guys have Ask Me Anything sessions via Discord as well, or?
1: Well, wait, so you can't get access to voice yeah. on Discord? Okay, really?
0: Yeah, even um, Skype, we can't do Skype as well. I'm not sure if you know that that's the reason why all the meetings tend to happen via Zoom. We do have Skype, but that is the business plan. So Skype is completely banned. Even WhatsApp, we can't do voice calling on WhatsApp as well. So.
1: Interesting. And are you guys using Telegram over there?
0: Uh, we're using Telegram, yeah. But we can't okay. do voice calling.
1: So we do have a Discord. I mean, our Discord is, I'd say it's pretty intimate. Um, we have a lot of users in there, but, you know, our whole team is in there regularly. Um, so we don't have official AMAs on a regular basis. Uh, we do join Twitter spaces, uh, when we can. So I'm not sure if you have access to Twitter spaces, but that's a great place to interact with us, you know, get on stage and ask questions. Um, but also right in our Discord chat, like we are, um, that's where our team is based essentially is in Discord. Uh, so there's always somebody from the Harpy team if you'd like to, you know, interact with us. And we also have some great community leaders in Discord, too. Now,
0: Twitter space definitely works over here. So, you know, a lot of the updates do actually function around Twitter. But in UAE and Dubai, mostly people tend to use Instagram, which is a bit odd when you talk about, you know, cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Connected to Instagram, it does not put across, you know, a professional image, so to speak. Now, one thing which I noticed was that when you're setting up Harpy, it does ask you to send a transaction to Vitalic.eth. Now, can you tell our listeners, is that something similar to what happens, you know, let's say when you're signing up for a banking transaction and they take off like $1, that's, does that look something similar to that? Or?
1: No. So when you're sending that transaction, um, when you sign up for Harpy, essentially what you do is you create your network, right? right? So like, these, are, these are the addresses I trust, um, and you create your protection. And when you're sending that transaction to Vitalik.eth, um what you're doing is trying to initiate a a halt because if it's a malicious transaction. Um that because that wallet has malicious type activity, um, it will be identified as something malicious um, and the transaction will be stopped. And so that's what you're seeing when you sign up for us, um, that you can watch that transaction actually fail in real time. Um which is what gives you the reassurance that, you know, your heartbreak protection is activated.
0: Uh, Thank you so very much for that. On your website it says Harpy has proudly saved over one million dollars from private key theft cases and more than I believe one thousand eight hundred successful recoveries. So, how do you guys determine this number and can you give us some information from a business point of view? Where did you get this matrix from
1: um so because it's crypto, obviously um most of our data as far as who it belongs to is is very obscured um because it's blockchain though we can see all the transactions so we are able to see a lot of information about the people that we protect in the assets that they have. Um, obviously any metrics that are about any, um, transaction that we stopped or, or theft that we've stopped, we're able to see that as well. Um, because when you do create a dashboard, you create your very own vault. Um, that vault is automated, but we can see that when we actually stop malicious activity, you know, what we stopped and what the value of that is too.
0: And, and can you share some examples? of theft that you have seen or any general trends that you've observed, particularly since the last few years?
1: Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing trend-wise is that, you know, you see extra malicious activity or fishing activity during airdrops, you know, very hyped mints and things like that. Overall, you know, this space it ebbs and flows, but there's always somebody that's trying to go after the the newest people and it's it's honestly not always the newest people that get tricked. You know, way too often it is the face of a company or the CEO of a company. Um and again it may not be a one to one attack to that person. They got, you know, tricked or fished from the same exact kind of site that, you know, you or I might be on as well. So it's really important to stay alert and make sure that you've got your eye on those kinds of things.
0: Absolutely, and earlier this year, I believe it was one of the Bitcoin kind developers, of who's kind of one of the OGs, so far security is concerned, has uh, he got compromised as well, right?
1: There's been a quite... lot of OGs <laughs> compromised, CTOs, you yes. know, CEOs of NFT platforms, just all, all sorts of things. Um, which, you know, it's it's terrible. It's great because it gives exposure to that kind of scam activity. The problem is that when those things happen. You get this hype cycle, right? Everyone's talking about it. Let's make a Twitter space. We'll talk about best practices and everyone will get there. They're all sort of bob their heads and nod. But the reality is most people don't actually take additional security action after that. It's like watching um SVU, you know, like Law and Order SVU. It's, you know, it's like you can't turn away. You got to watch. You want to be involved in the, you know, oh, we're all going to make it. Um, but the reality is so many people, um, do not set up additional layers of security after these events. Um, so it's just about, you know, like we talked about already, you know, getting protected ahead of time, thinking about it before, you know, it's the next headline. Because yeah, it's, it's heads of CEO, it's OGs. Um, it's people that you think are immune to this kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. And in 2020, there was this massive trend on YouTube channels being hacked, and one of the greatest educators, Andreas Antonopoulos, even his YouTube channel got hacked, and you know, people were like, how could his account be hacked, and then we found out that it was someone from YouTube, you know, who did this notorious activity, so yeah, absolutely critical, and so critical, that you know, people do understand that what you are building is definitely going to help them, and as the saying goes, not your crypto, not your keys. Now I was going through your LinkedIn, you know, Brittany, and I. You recently had an event on the twenty-third of March, called as "Off the Chain Thursdays," and I believe this was in Atlanta Blockchain Center. And I believe you're with an attorney as well, right? So can you share some more information on what that event was all about?
1: Uh, yeah, so that was really great uh, at the Atlanta Blockchain Center, which was wonderful because. Um, that's, you know, the closest city to me. And I spend quite a bit of time traveling around, going to crypto conferences and Web3 conferences. Um, so when they reached out to me about getting to participate in that event, uh, it was really wonderful to be able to do something in what felt like my own backyard with Web3 for the first time in a long time. And are the
0: plans of you to visit Dubai as well? to give out some kind of, or so maybe some session or represent maybe Hopi on any of the events?
1: Uh In Dubai right now? Yeah. So right now I don't have any Dubai on my schedule, but in true Web3 fashion, um, I'm only, you know, about 90 days out on what we'll actually be doing. Um, I will be in Austin, Texas, though, uh, for Consensus. I will be in New York previous uh, actually in about seven days uh, for NFT NYC um, okay. and Then goes Consensus. I'll be back in Atlanta uh, for Immutable, which was involved with the Atlanta Blockchain Center. Uh, that will be at the end of May. And then shortly after um that same weekend, I believe, is also AWE in Santa Clara, California. Um So no Dubai on the current schedule. Um, don't know what the rest of 23 looks like yet.
0: Yeah, and in Dubai, you know, we live the lives based on, you know, the ruling government party. And one of the visions of Sheikh Hamdan, you might have seen him probably on YouTube videos, is for Dubai to be the number one city in the world. So far as Web3 is concerned, and he wants to be the top trend city in the world so far as Metaverse is concerned, and we definitely have a few questions surrounding that later on. Now, for an average user, who are, let's say, not into cryptocurrencies, but they do own a lot of cryptocurrencies, and I'm talking about high for worthy individuals, or maybe even some influencers, what is the message that you have for them?
1: For For influencers specifically, I would just like to share and ask that, you know, all information, you know, that you get the benefit of sharing with an audience, especially a large audience that looks up to you, um, that you triangulate that information, um, and that you also consider, you know, is your incentive outweighing, um, the risk of possibly sending your users into something that can make them success- susceptible to risk? Um, high net worth individuals, Just anybody in general, take security precautions with your crypto. You know, whether you're using our tools, you know, we have wonderful two factor authorization tools that sort of present, prevent you on the front end. And then the firewall, which, you know, if your assets are being stolen from you, prevent you on, prevent, prevent theft on the back end. Um, whether it's our tools or not to create that security stack, to, to know what is your security stack. Um And then, you know, consider adding to it when you see these events of theft, but at least have one to start, Um, even if it's just two or three things.
0: Absolutely. And that is so critical. And on your website, you have a white paper as well. And I do believe I read it that your white paper has been audited by a few companies. Can you tell our listeners, you know, the names of the audited firms that actually audited the white paper, if you remember them?
1: Yes, so the white paper is what we launched um, to uh, describe our project and to build it um, and also to raise around it. Uh, the audit is actually on our smart contracts themselves. Um, so we have a certic audit on the smart contracts ourselves. Um, and that means that they've gone through our, our contracts very thoroughly. Um, they've looked very meticulously at the actions on them, that there's been a panel of people reviewing this and that's the best of their knowledge they have alerted us of any flaws or anything and that we've addressed those um to you know the level that they ask um so a smart contract audit is extremely important um especially if you're dealing with security companies uh, it's worth it to make sure that they've invo- invested in those actions because it may not be malicious they may not be meaning to leave themselves vulnerable but it happens all the time um you said you're on our twitter you know you could see what happened with SafeMoon Um, People get, people are made vulnerable, um, or are found to be vulnerable, and the time to have that happen is during an audit. It's not when your product's live and your customers are at risk. So let's see, Harvey,
0: the uh, services—is that available on your laptop and computers, or is that available on mobile phone services as well?
1: That's a really good question. Um, It's designed to be set up on your laptop. Um, It's not something that you need to access regularly or change. Um, So you'll want to set it up at your laptop, but You'll still be protected by Harpy if you're using your wallet or your phone or anything like that.
0: Perfect. So the, only, the initial setup needs to be done on the computer or laptop. Now, Brittany, right now there's this massive hype building around Central Bank Digital currencies. Now, whether we love it or hate it, Central Bank Digital currencies are definitely going to kick in three to five years down the line. And I'm pretty much sure it's definitely going to gain some momentum. Now, from Harpy's business point of view, Are there any plans to expand into that area as well where you protect, you know, central bank digital currency as well?
1: Um, I mean, I'd say the extent of Harpy is just security in general. Um, Mm -hmm. Today, we are built uh, to protect things on Ethereum. Uh, We do have the ability to expand to other protocols. Um, Because of the size of our team, we decided to maintain our position on Ethereum likely until another protocol needs us to be building there um, just because the amount of assets available on Ethereum there means the most vulnerable assets are on Ethereum at this moment. Um, so we could end up protecting CBDCs, especially if they are built on Ethereum. Um, the centralized nature means they'll probably be built on um, a bank's network though. Um, so we could, pr- we could implement our actions on their blockchain. Um, to help protect them if that's something that they needed. Um, but like you said, CBDCs are essentially inevitable. Um, you know, they're being designed. It's, you know, part of being in blockchain is understanding really the infinite ability of the technology that we're developing on. Um, I think, you know, all of us building on it are are trying to build for, you know, the best causes that there are. Uh, and make sure that everyone building tools like CBDCs that we're all going to be using, Um, you know, I just hope that we le- leverage all of the wonderful knowledge available in the space, um, because it is a very growing and fast space. Um And it, it would be really um a unique experience for the first time everyone ex- uses a digital asset, you know, what that's going to be like.
0: Absolutely, 100%. And now with Ethereum, Shanghai are great to be kicking in, probably by the 12th of April, isn't it? Are you getting any trends in relation to, let's say, scams or potential thefts? Are you getting some idea or Google trends revolving around thefts, keeping the Shanghai upgrade in mind?
1: Um, around the Shanghai upgrade specifically, um, I can't speak to any threats that we've like identified or made public at this point. Um, I would say that we are acting more to make, um, to, to be, to make more easily accessible. The malicious, um, API that we do have. So we want to make it easier for users to find these scams and threats. Um, so, uh, today I don't have anything specific to announce, but, um, you know, with, with the upgrade, you know, an account abstraction, there's all, all sorts of new, um, conversations and, you know, new threats that haven't even been created, um, will be there, of course.
0: And lately, you know, there's this massive hype surrounding Metaverse. Now what I strongly feel the area where Web 3.2 merges with Metaverse is the area of logging in. So let's see, rather than using your email address, if you were to use, let's say, your private key or your Ethereum address, that is one area which I feel Web to merges. Now, are there any plans of Harvey? Let's say have any partnership, pla- uh, partnership plans with, let's say, Decentraland or Sandbox?
1: Uh, The tools that we build are definitely useful for um, the gaming industry and gaming platforms in in general, um, especially in any metaverse type experience that they're leveraging, you know, wallet and blockchain technology to um, create that transactional nature and that experience. Um, So, yes, definitely uh, when we build our tools, we build with that in mind. We have some wonderful partnerships with gaming platforms um, like Azra um, Games is one of them. Uh, and we're able to protect their users and their users NFTs um, through a partnership with them. So uh, we'll also be at AWE um, speaking more with people involved with AR and XR on security measures to think of in advance, um, because mm-hmm. absolutely, um, you're adding a whole nother dimension to the ability and possibilities of scams and scammers um, when you add the the metaverse and the visual interactive layer.
0: And from, let's say, an average individual user's point of view, am I right in saying that you would charge me only after you've identified what the hack is? Am I am I getting that right, or do you charge upfront?
1: front? Uh, so, yeah, Harpy, our tools are free to use. Okay. Um, if you use our vault tool, um, it's free to set up. It's free to build your wallet and your trusted network. The only time you would get charged is if we've actually um recovered one of your assets. So if someone did attempt to steal your assets, your assets were already leaving your wallet, and then we put those assets into a vault for you. Um, it's a non-custodial vault, so only you have access to it, uh, you would pay a 0.01 ETH recovery fee to get that asset back. Um, if you look at our white paper, it does describe a 7% fee. That would be like 7% of floor price. Um, but to you know, we were able to raise after that. And what we're really trying to do is prove um the utility of the tools that we've built. Um and so with that we launched with a 0.01 ETH um recovery fee.
0: And that is standard for enterprise as well, or is it different across
1: Yeah, so that's um that's across the board. Um and the way that the smart contract is developed, we can't like go up the price on you after you've created the protection or anything like that. Um, that's one of the benefits of blockchain and the solution being, um, on chain. So mm-hmm. if you set it up and you have 0.01 recovery, um, we can't change that for, we're not going to be able to like, you know, rub you or anything like that and change that. Um, with enterprise, obviously with like really high volumes and transactions, um, sometimes we structure our agreements in different ways based on the nature of what that, you know, enterprise needs from us and what solutions we're delivering to them.
0: And now right now in Dubai, you know, a few weeks ago, there was World Police Summit, which was organized by the Dubai Dubai Police Headquarters, and they were discussing about the dark side of metaverse, and one of the major issues was related to protection of intellectual property rights in the metaverse, and protecting NFTs. So, you know, how is Harpy going to help people, let's say, who are trying to protect their IP rights?
1: Well, if your IP rights are attached to a digital asset like an NFT, um, ultimately, yes, securing that with a vault protection um, means that if somebody tries to steal those IP rights or somebody tries to steal any rights attached to an NFT, whether that's a deed, um, whether that's a digital, you know, exchange of a product, um, Harpy is able to protect you with um, both that two factor off, which would protect you on the front end of that transaction. Um, and then also that uh, front-running and firewall protection um, on the other side.
0: And we are moving towards the later part of this episode. Now, from your point of view and your experience in e Denver, hands-on experience with Ethereum protocols, what advice would you like to give to individuals and fellow business partners who are trying to build something similar in the cryptocurrency space and keeping in mind the different hacks and scams? What advice would you like to give your competitors also?
1: (laughs) I would give anybody building security tools um, the advice of, you know, see what's out there, see what solutions exist. You know, are there gaps? Can you support another security solution by offering an aspect that they either haven't considered or don't intend to um, protect their customers with so that you can collaborate? Um, Because I think in the security space, the less we try and undercut each other and the more we try and build tools that work like scaffolding um, and hold our customers and their assets up for protection, um, the better that will all be. Um, And if you're building anything in security, um, you know, we like to collaborate. So you're welcome to uh, give a go at our heuristics engine and see if our API is something that makes your tool better.
0: That is beautifully said. The next question is something you know, which we did talk about earlier on as well. And this is about Dubai being the hub for cryptocurrency and blockchain. Now, you mentioned that you won't be visiting Dubai anytime soon. But are there any plans for Harvey? Let's say have a separation in Dubai. And also in Saudi Arabia, because I'm not sure you're seeing the news in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It is kind of like the Blue Ocean right now. There's a lot of potential and opportunities, particularly for security and building things in that area. So what are your thoughts from a business point of you?
1: I, look, it's not on our calendar today, but it doesn't mean that we're not open to opportunities. Um, a lot of our user base is not in North America. Um, it's actually spread quite a bit throughout the world, including Asia. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to come to Dubai um, and help collaborate. Um, our team does travel. Um, we like supporting people. So if there's any um, you know, large events in, in that area that we should be looking at, like I'm happy to hear about it. Um, please let me know. Um, and we'd love to help add security to the conversation anywhere uh, because it's it's not added enough um, oftentimes when it's there, there's maybe just one or two views of it, and it's really important that there's a lot of security uh content available so that um there's something that's sticky with everybody that's there, and that somebody somebody can give them a tool that they need
0: now from a business point of view what are some of the challenges that you're facing? And let's try to explain what Harpy is offering uh, to the end users. And right now, at least the market is relatively better. But how was it working towards the end of 2022?
1: I mean, the t- end of 2022 is really when we just started going, um, you know, as a very young company. Um Our tech was only built in early, you know, earlier that year. And that means that we really started our journey during, you know, what was the collapse of the bull market, uh, which I think makes you really strong as a company. Um, luckily we were, you know, financially set up for that in, you know, our money wasn't in FTX. Um, and that we didn't have any loss due to that. Um, and our team was really able to sort of sink into the mentality of building the bear. Um, that we were structured to get through the bear market and that during this time we were going to build great relationships with, you know, people in the space, um, build the tools that the space needed. And honestly, for that, that means that the end of last year was, you know, maybe not great for crypto, but it was great for us as a team. Um, we were able to, to get our product live and, you know, start securing assets on chain, which is what we set out to do.
0: Absolutely. And since the last few weeks, you know, you've seen banks collapsing, particularly in the U.S., but also in Switzerland. The inflation numbers have been off to the roof. And if you look at the geopolitical situation, the macro factors, you know, such as inflation, the chaos between Russia and Ukraine. So my next question is, keeping all these things in mind, do you think, let's say, in the next decade's time or so, crypto economy will be competing with, let's say, the fiat economy? And are there possibilities for big corner cryptocurrencies? To actually overtake the cryptocurrency economy, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's very easy to be in our crypto world, um, environments that let us think that mainstream adoption is just a couple steps away. (laughs) Um, you know, because for maybe our friends it is, but the reality is most people in the world are much farther than a couple steps away from crypto. So, I do see, you know, the possibility for an uptick in adoption, for sure. Um, But that still means we're going from fractions of a percent of the population okay. to maybe if we're lucky, a couple percent, but, you know, maybe not even likely. Like, so I think we will see far- more adoption. I think we'll see adoption faster than honestly we're ready for, which does become a security threat um when you have people coming on board without. You know, proper awareness of the threats out there. It can be sort of ripe for attack. Um, but besides that, we're still a ways off. E- even if it's faster than we think, even if mainstream adoption is three years away, like it's, it's going to be on an inflection curve at that point. If we're really going to see three years and like, you know, Bitcoin to the moon, it's going to be because it did this at three years um we don't have infrastructure or tools for it right now the most popular wallet browser extensions you know still leave a lot to be desired you know just about everybody's vulnerable most people you know can literally watch banks failing um and still not feel like they're more apt to custody their funds and and that may be true too um you know you can lose your key um so I think, I think we're going to see a new thrust of excitement. I think we're going to see a lot of enthusiasm. I think we're going to see another innovation and development cycle. I think we're going to see the public and the government issue a lot of things um from, you know, sort of like transact transport cards, you know, digital currencies. I think we'll see a couple of those things crumble and fail and have to sort of go through a Phoenix rebirth at some point. Um, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to you know predict the future, especially when you're talking about crypto and, you know, the speed at which that pace changes. Um, but we're still a ways off from at least good mainstream adoption. <laughs> I kind
0: of agree to you because in 2013, that was the first time I attended a meetup on Bitcoin. And that part of time, we said that, you know, we are the earliest stages of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, And even right now in 2023, almost a decade after that. With the same terminology we use that, you know, we are still in the earlier stages. It's going to be really critical in keeping that in mind. You also have the invention of chat. GPT, GPT-4. Keeping all these things in mind, and we talked about metaverse. What about metaverse? How far do you think metaverse is from mainstream adoption? Where it replaces the use of, let's say, using mobile phones and us talking, let's say, via Zoom. We could have this podcast in. The metaverse, Arena, what are your thoughts? How long would that take?
1: This is probably a controversial answer, but I don't, I don't think that any mainstream adoption of the metaverse is coming sometime soon. I think metaverse experiences will, yeah. you know, become much more normal where you could, you know, have some sort of experience in the metaverse. But I feel like if there's one thing COVID showed us and the return to in-person events is that people want in-person connection and the metaverse doesn't replace that. So it might change how we do our current zoom interactions. Um, but like, I'll tell you for somebody that's like, so tech adept and so involved yeah, in tech yeah. and came from a different kind of tech. I'm pretty um, metaverse. You know, I, I guess, like I said, I, I kept my space from even cryptocurrency just while I was sort of scouting it out for me. I savor every moment that I'm not working to be away from my screen. So I can't imagine choosing consciously without, you know, losing the opportunity to do otherwise. Like if we're locked into the house, yes. Um, But I, I think we'll see metaverse change things like how we go to the mall. I think that metaverse might be the rebirth of like the mall type experience where you walk in there and there are experiences. Um, I think we'll see that. And I think that will sort of be the type of catalyst we'll see for mainstream adoption of digital assets. You know, you need to have that crossover, IRL, because again, I think in our bubble, yes, metaverse is going to go to the moon in like, you know, <laughs> the next couple of months and AI is just going to, again, add that curve and make it crazy. But if you look a couple steps out from us in our tech bubbles, um, we're not there yet. And, you know, even my alter ego that's not in the tech bubble doesn't want that. Um and I think that says a lot as somebody that really appreciates tech and how can it like improve our engagement experience.
0: I kind of agree to it and uh, Neil Stevenson, the guy, you know, who also termed the World Metaverse, he kind of shared some similar thoughts as well. So, you know, I kind of one hundred percent agree to that. And the next question what I wanted to ask is probably nothing to do with cryptocurrencies, these and blockchain as such. Now you just mentioned something about you try to stay off the screen as much as possible. So besides you being in the tech field, what is it that you do for work-life balance?
1: For me, if it's the springtime, I'm probably gardening. Summertime, uh, I try and be outside as much as possible. I love live music and paddleboarding. Um, and in the winter, I am a sucker for some snow and a mountain. Um, I'll ski, I'll snowboard. But I do try and uh, find that balance because especially working from your laptop, it's very, and your phone, you know, it's, it's so easy to not be able to peel away. And I find either having my hands physically dirty or my body moving fast on a mountain or submerged, you know, where my phone could drop off my paddleboard. Um, those yeah. are the easiest ways to keep myself disconnected. So and the then my kids, because I don't like being on my screen in front of them. So it's a very easy way for me to put it aside.
0: And the paddleboard, do you have the red paddle?
1: I have a, like an inflatable paddleboard. Inflatable one. Okay. Yeah, um, so I like mine. Um, I'm not enough of a pro to recommend any like great brands, um, but I really enjoy mine.
0: Because in Dubai, we have uh, in October, there is this month of 30 days of fitness. So every day, I was doing up paddle boarding for one hour for 30 days. And I do have another podcast called as The Race-Based Podcast, where I talk about fitness. And one of the idea is to actually record a podcast while we are on the up paddle board. So it's going to be really interesting. You're just the voice and everything. So another question which I wanted to ask is something, you know, not connected to work and something which you alluded to earlier on is regarding music. What genre of music that you have and what genre of music do you like?
1: So for me, it's not necessarily about genre. It's about experience. So, like, I Mm -hmm. love live music. Um, I came from the version of tech I came from started with, like, hi-fi audio. So I have, like, a really good appreciation for um high quality like speaker and reproduction of music um but for me I, i'll literally like anything from bluegrass and country to pop and hip hop like i i'll jam bands galore um actually it's blurred out but everything behind me is largely concert posters um oh. i really do enjoy just going to and it's again it's much harder now than it used to be um, it used to be the easiest way to disconnect. Cause you never had service during a three day music festival. Um, but now everyone's building cell phone towers so people can get on Instagram.
0: Absolutely. 100% agree to that. Thank you so very much, Brittany, for doing this podcast. You know, really, uh, really appreciate you talking to me. Now, how can listeners get in touch with you and know more about Harpy?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Um, and now I, I do really want to find a way to add Dubai to our agenda for 23. Um, but to find a harpy, uh, the easiest way is to go straight to our website. So it's www.harpie and then it's .io. So harpy.io. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, we release a lot of information there. It's harpie.io, so H-A-R-P-I-E-I-O. Um, same thing for Instagram. We do not do a lot of Instagram content right now. Um, we'll probably start doing some more of that here soon, um, and then definitely our Discord. Which, if you go to our website, which is harpie.io, um, you can get onto our Discord as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and so what I'll do is, you know, in the show notes below, I'll definitely go ahead and mention all of the contact details for Harpie. Thank you so very much, uh, Brittany, for doing this. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.